special message this morning. This is the sixth message in the series, Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us, in a year in which we have deemed to be a year of perfect vision. This first series, this is message number six. Let me just warn you, I said to the congregation this morning, these next two messages are different than the first five. The first five messages were designed to encourage us to actually pat us on the back, encourage us, and give us the inspiration to go on. From that first message in which we said to you, it doesn't matter what anybody else calls you, God calls you redeemed. Second message in which we says, it doesn't matter what you think you're worth, you are blessed. Third message in which we said, we are the work of his hand. That fourth message in which we declare that we are a friend of God. And then the last message, message number five, in which we all emphatically declare that contrary to what the enemy may think, we are more than conquerors. Those messages had one thing in mind to encourage you. Now we are about to shift. I need you to hang with me because I've preached the five that make you shout. These next two are not designed to make you run around the church. If you do, you are welcome to do it. But if the first five, Mother Diamond challenged us, the first five encouraged us, the next two are designed to challenge us. And how many of you know sometimes you have to be challenged? If you've ever raised a family, it's all right to, to pat your kids on the back and encourage them. You can make it. You, but sometimes you need to get in their face and challenge them to be all that God has called them to be. This message is to challenge us. With that in mind, I invite you to the gospel that has been recorded by St. Matthew's chapter number 5 and verse number 13. And for a clearer understanding of the text, we have chosen to read from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. Amen. Look at somebody say, get ready to be challenged. Mm. Listen to verse 13, chapter 5 of the New Living Translation. And Jesus speaks to his disciples and to the multitude that were now following him. And he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And the church that loves God's word said amen. Here's the subject. Here's the challenge. Look at someone and say, the salt of the earth. That's what we want to talk about. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. One of the challenges that we as Believers, we as people of faith often struggle with is this. What is our role in this secular society? It is a question. It is a challenge that we all at some point have found ourselves asking each other or asking ourselves. Perhaps we all have at some point quite honestly struggled with this question. What is our role? What 
is the role of believers, of faith walkers in this society. We have challenged ourselves and struggled with the question that says this, should we assimilate, which is to blend in, to be a part, to be like something, or should we separate? That is a question that is often asked. As a matter of fact, I will tell you, and I said this morning, Mother Jackson, that people have designed, developed, and created whole denominations <laughs> over the premise that we ought to separate. There are folk that don't know many scriptures, but they know come from among them and be separated. <laughs> and they hammer that over you all the time. They would tell you that you ought not dress like them, look like them. They would even say you ought not be a part of any social organizations. They think fraternities and sororities are sin. They think anything outside of going to church, you should not do. They have created, please take this the right way, a cult-like atmosphere having people think that you've got to be so different that you cannot even be a part of anything. I know people who don't even associate with their family's members because they're not in the same denomination as they are. I'm not even talking about the same faith, Christianity. They are folk that says, if you're not a part of my denomination, then you are an abomination and you are going to hell. That's wrong. And then on the other side, there are some who have assimilated themselves so much like the world, Pastor Lawson, so much like those that they are to be an example of that you can't tell them apart. You go to the job and somebody is laughing at a dirty joke. You don't know who the believer is. And all the time, they're the ones sharing it. <laughs> Amen. You go and hear an argument among two people. You can't really tell which one is a person of faith. Profanity comes from everybody's mouth. Well, Y'all aren't going to like me after this. There used to be a time where believers prided themselves on not using certain language because they knew that did not represent the character of who they wanted to be. But now you've got folk that used to cuss you out at the church that curse you out in church. <laughs> on the way to church. While church is going on. <laughs> on the choir. <laughs> We have, Elder Sarah, become so fixed like them that there's no difference. Songwriter put it this way years ago. They have sinned with all of their might until wrong begins to look like right. So the question, my brothers and sisters, still persists. Should we assimilate or should we separate? However, I stop by to tell you today that perhaps we are asking the wrong question. Perhaps the real question should be, what does God expect from us? Not what does the church expect from us, not what does the ministry expect, but what does God expect from us? How does God want us to behave? How does God want us to fit in in this society that we live in? The truth is, from God's perspective, whew, listen to this, we often get it wrong. I want you to hear this. We, even church leaders and churches, that's why to a certain degree, 
I've become so alienated from, from massive national church organizations. Uh, and, and, and it's not all their fault. It's, it's because you, I mean, you see so much is built on promoting an organization or an individual or a school of thought that we forget about the very people we are to help. And sometimes we are guilty ourselves of that. I just had a conversation with my son earlier, and I said, let us not lose sight on the loss chasing the process. Process is so important. It's important that the lights are on and that every T is crossed and I is dotted. But at the end of the day, Bishop Jackson had it right. Soul winning is still our number one business. And you've got churches that are obsessed with competing with each other. Chip, you know it. I know it. You, I don't even get into the numbers game. You've got churches that pride themselves on, is your church larger than this? Who's the, and I've had reporters and other people ask me all the time, well, who's the largest church? I said, what difference does it make? You're asking the wrong question. The question you ought to ask is, what is God doing in this society through the church. And it doesn't matter if you are a storefront or a mega church. God wants to use you. So here's where we often get it wrong. From God's perspective, uh, we separate sometimes when God says we ought to assimilate. We, we pull ourselves aside. We become greater than anybody else, and we pride ourselves on, I'm not like them. I don't even associate with people like that. And God said, these are the very people you ought to be touching. You drive by somebody who's been wounded on the Jericho Road just to get to church, to set by people like you that are already believers, to clap your hands and confirm what you already know that God is good. Wouldn't it be something if on Saturday nights and on Fridays we'll find somebody who doesn't quite believe and we'll reach out to them. And so God says when we separate ourselves, perhaps we ought to really come together we ought to work uh, as a whole uh, to better this society. And it doesn't matter what your denomination is. doesn't matter the name that's on your church. At the end of the day, we're not in a church competition tournament. We're in the race for our lives to save as many souls before the end because it, it is treacherous out there. I was speaking to one of our dear sisters who's a, who's, who's a health profession in, in, in the mental health uh, uh, arena, and she was saying to me, Pastor Jackson, we see so many young people coming in with mental breakdowns, and so many of them have come in with this WAP sense of spirituality. Witchcraft exists out there. The enemy is as a roaring lion seeking whom we ought to devour. And we are, we are patting each other on the back about how great Bible we is and how many people we have and all this stuff. We're building a housing unit and a veterans home unit and all of that. And we rah-rah and cheerlead. And at the same time, the enemy is impacting the minds of our young people and poisoning their minds and turning them away. And they are dabbling with witchcraft and satanic Worship. There, I have been told that in Richland County alone, there are over seven satanic temples that folk don't even know about. There are people that are trying to convince your young people to embrace witchcraft. We've got to uh, do better. We've got to say, Lord, our goal is not just to come to have church. I hope y'all like me after today. But our goal is not just to come and lay our tithe at the altar and clap our hands. But at the end of the day, in our own houses, 
We are allowing the atmosphere to be contaminated uh, through music and through social media, and you don't even checkmate what your own young people are using. And they've got a device in their hand that they can access anything in the world from any place in the world, and you think they're on their phone talking to their friends. Somebody's poisoning their mind with witchcraft. And all kind of evil spirits. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. And then God says, when we ought to separate, we sometimes assimilate. When we ought to stand up and say, that's not like us. I'm not better than you, but I serve a God who can make us all better. <laughs> when you ought to stand up and say, for God I live and for God I die. When you ought to stand up and say, you know what, that may be good in somebody else's house, but in my house, that's not going to go on. We just, I just, I mean, you know what, you can, you can do it when you're somewhere else, but I'm, I'm going to honor the culture of the environment. Some things I'm not going to allow coming. I appreciate all these high-priced entertainers, and they're good, but they're promoting their own welfare. They're, they're trying to build their own career, but not at the expense of the young people's minds. So God says, how do we figure this out? May I preach this this morning? I don't want you to jump and shout. I need you to hear this. As we begin to figure this out, here's what God says. God says, Daryl, remind the congregation of the first scripture that we shared at the beginning of the year, which became our theme for 2020. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7. In the middle of that verse, you'll find these words. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. See, how, how we view things, that's our view. But God doesn't always see things the way we see them. God says, when you want to separate, God says, I need you to be a part of that. And when you want no part of something, God says, I need you to go and, and, and be different. And then some things God tells you to pull away from. I, I'm not talking about anything individual. I don't know what you've had, but every organization may be good for some people, but it may not be good for you. And that's why I have no blanket positions on anything uh, as it relates to organization. It all depends on what God has called you. There are certain things in my life God said, you shouldn't be a part of this. There wasn't anything wrong with it. I've got friends and other, but God said, that's not right for what I want to do for you. You've got to let God speak to you because there are certain things that certain points you can't confuse the anointing that's on your life and the anointing of God does not need to compete with anything else what God has called you to be you ought to be somebody throw those hands up and say I'm available Lord I'm available so how do we how do we understand this may I preach this how do we do this? Here's the challenge. Jesus begins to teach his disciples on how do you accept this challenge of being all that he expected them to be. And so with that, he begins this discourse in Matthew's chapter 5 where our text is found. And it is called the Sermon on the Mount. It is particular of interest that we should note this was the first recorded discourse Jesus ministry consider why is this important and I'm gonna share with you because of what he did not start his ministry doing Jesus did not begin his ministry with some sermon about doctrine or denomination he did not begin his ministry with sermon about how you should be baptized and what you should wear and how you should fix your hair and how much makeup you should wear. He went straight to the heart of the matters is that what makes you great is who you are. And if you've got the right spirit in you, it will dictate to you how you dress, where you go. 
what you would say. Amen. I've never subscribed to the fact that everything ought to be dictated from the pulpit. You know why? Because the pulpit can't ride in your car with you. The pulpit cannot sit in a classroom next to you. You've got to have something in you that guides and leads you when your parents aren't there, when the minister isn't there, when you are away in college and nobody's there to hold your hand. Something in you got to rise up and say, this is not godly. Jesus says, how then shall we live? And so we get to the text. And this text is so important. It is the first recorded sermon of Jesus. It is the Sermon on the Mount. It occurred over several days. In fact, it was a several day revival of teachings that Jesus gave. Matthew's chapters five through chapter eight, even go on to some of the others that we will see uh, little excerpts from. But Jesus begins, and here's what's so important. I need you to get me this morning. I need you to hear this. Note how Jesus begins chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, the first verse of the first discourse of the first sermon of Jesus. He begins by talking about their attitudes. <laughs> Please note this. It is called the Beatitudes. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, Jesus deals with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. He, he, he did. Why, why do you do that, Lord? Because the Lord knows, you know what? If folk attitude isn't right, nothing else is going to be right. You can come to church and know all the theology you want, but if your attitude isn't right, you can't live what you know. Can I preach this? And so Jesus says, get your attitude right, because when your attitude is right, things will fall into place. And so the first thing he deals with in the first sermon of his career deals with attitudes. There are a whole lot of folk in here who knows the right theology, but they've got a bad attitude. You know scripture, but you've got a bad attitude. You are too confrontational. You are too fussy. You are too hypocritical. You are too full of yourself. That's why I don't need some self-appointed religious leader who deemed themselves to be somebody important telling me how I ought to live if you don't live it yourself. If you know it, then live it. Preach Pastor Jackson. Look at somebody and say, you ought to live what you know. So Jesus deals with attitudes. Go back home and you read verses 1 through 12 of the Beatitude. Then he transitions in verses 13 through 16. And Jesus says, now that I've dealt with your attitude, I'm going to now help you understand how you should live in this society. Because you can't live right in this society if your attitude isn't right. We ought, to, we ought to bring more of our own attitudes at the altar than our financial conditions, than our physical conditions. You ought to say, Lord, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. Because if your attitude is right, what I've learned raising my own family chip is that if they got the right attitude, they can deal with other stuff. But if you got somebody you raise in your house with not a work attitude, not a I can go through this attitude, then the first time trouble happens in their life, they're going to give up because they're used to giving up. Jesus says, get your attitude right. Then when you approach the world, here is how you should approach them. Verse 13 is the first verse of how we should approach society. And we're going to deal with that today. The next sermon in this series will deal with verse 14. But verse 13, Jesus uses an analogy that was quite understandable 
in first century society. And I'm going to do my best in the next few moments to help you understand how important this analogy is. Jesus begins by telling them who they really are from his perspective. Note what he said. You are the salt of the earth. He did not go and say, Elder Jeff, you are a diamond mine. He did not say you are a shining ruby. Did not say that you are someone that sparkles like gold. <laughs> but Jesus says you are the salt. Who is he talking about? Believers. If we're going to change the world, it has to start with us. And Jesus says you are the salt. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be no good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of others as something that is worthless. Jesus uses the analogy of salt to share his expectations of what our role ought to be in this world. Why? Because listen to this. This is important. In the first century, salt was a valuable commodity. It, don't view salt like you may do it today as something you get from the grocery store and you just use it whenever you feel it. It was a valuable commodity. In fact, it is said, and I put this up, uh, that uh, the Roman soldiers often were paid with salt. See this. Their wages often consisted of salt. In fact, the word we use today for salary originated from the Latin word that meant simply paid by salt. That's called salarium. It, it was a Latin word that was used to indicate I am paying somebody by salt. So they paid them in salt. Thus we get to the expression that a person is not worth his salt. You've heard that. Uh, Deacon Tommy, you've run a great construction company. You've hired a lot of people. I submit that they've been people you've paid weren't worth their salt. In other words, they got a check, but they didn't earn it. Salt was valuable. Salt is important to the first century. I, I need you to go with me. May I teach this? And Jesus says, if I've got to choose something to make an analogy of who we are as believers and faith walkers, I want us to be like salt. We are the salt of the earth. Why was this important? Because there are three distinct functions of salt that was pretty evident during Jesus' time. And in fact, it is even evident today. Let me share them with you. Three things that separated salt, that made it so important, and hopefully you'll understand what Jesus meant. Number one is this. Salt preserves. It keeps things from going bad or decaying. In the first century, in order to save something, because there wasn't refrigeration, they actually packed it down with salt and salt kept it from spoiling or decaying. Salt fights deterioration. If you're in the world, if you're in an organization, if you're on a job, then it ought to be better because you are there. Look at somebody and say, you are the salt. Amen. Everything ought not be falling apart as long as you're there. In fact, I've been someplace and people say, oh, this whole thing is going to fall apart. I said, not as long as I'm here. They say, wow, you that full of yourself? I said, no, you don't know who I trust and whose I am. How many of you know as long as you're there, everything is going to be all right? Some folk ought to give you part of their salary. Because you are there, everything is still holding up all right. Because God has given you a special anointing. 
May I preach? Should I preach? Look at somebody and say, you're sold, you're sold. You're sold. Your family can't fall apart as long as you're there. As long as you go to the family reunions, it's going to be all right. When you show up for Thanksgiving, it's going to be all right. Why? When you show up for Sunday dinner, it's going to be all right. They may cuss, fight, uh, swear, do all of that. But when you walk in the room, they ought to be, oh, oh, let's, let's hold this. Chip just showed up. Something about you. Look at somebody and say something about you that keeps things from falling apart. Y'all don't know how long I've waited to preach this other Sarah. Look at somebody and say, something about you keeps things going. The old folk put it this way, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind, took the time to pray for me. You ought to thank God for praying, grandmamas. You ought to thank God for grandmamas with no high school or college degree, but they know how to get down on their knees. Anybody ever had somebody call your name in prayer, praying for you? Thank God for my mother who knew how to plead the blood of Jesus. Tell somebody it works. These young people who think that they are where they are because of their own brilliancy, I've got news for you. Why you think you were being so brilliant, somebody was on their knees calling your name out when you were trying to put the mathematic equation together. Somebody was on their knees, bless my granddaughter, bless my grandson and the enemy's hand was withheld against you because somebody had enough salt. I feel like preaching. The reason you didn't lose your mind is because somebody sprinkled salt on the situation and say, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke any enemy. No weapon formed against us will prosper. They can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Anybody know one of the reasons you're here today is that somebody with enough Holy Ghost knew how to pray for you. Somebody ought to just stand one time and say, thank God for salt. May I have time to preach this? The second distinct function of salt, those of you that are in the health profession will understand this, it was not only used as a preservative, it was an antiseptic use. It was used to disinfect and to create an environment where germs could not survive or could not strongly survive. It was also used as a part of the healing process. Now we're talking about first century society. They didn't have all of the new technolo technological advances that we have today, but they use salt sometimes. Even you've heard salt in a wound, they say sometimes it makes it better, but sometimes it draws out the impurities. It doesn't feel good all the time, but sometimes salt draws things out and salt heals things and it, 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 it helps with the healing process. Salt itself does not immediately heal, but it contributed first century society to part of the healing process. Before there were antibiotics and all kind of other things, they used natural ingredients that came from the earth. And so they knew if there was going to be healing, sometimes you need a little salt. Can I preach to somebody? Uh, 
Go with me, Second Chronicles chapter number 7, verse 14. Uh, God says that we are a part of the healing process. Is there anybody in here want God to use you to be a part of the healing process? Don't be the problem, be the problem solver. Don't be the one who creates chaos. Be the one who helps to end chaos. Here's what the Bible says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins. And somebody say, heal the land. Heal the land. The land needs a little salt on it. Uh, the land needs healing right now. Anybody know the reason why God kept you so that you can be a part of the healing process? God will use you to bring reconciliation where there have been divisions. Anybody want to be used by God? Throw up your hands and say, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. God says, I'll use you to heal the land. If my people who are called by my name, he did not say the people who do not know me, if this land is going to be healed, it ain't going to be healed by folk that reject Christ. It will be healed by those of us who come to church every Sunday and call on the name. We've got to leave church and act like God has given us a purpose. And the purpose is to go and assimilate, but be different. Make a difference in this world. Anybody ready to make a difference? How many of you want to be a salt shaker where God uses you to sprinkle something on somebody uh, that preserves and heals. And here's the third and the final distinct characteristic or function of salt. Number one, salt preserves. Number two, salt heals and disinfects. But number three, salt adds flavor. <laughs> Can I say that again? Look at somebody and say flavor, flavor. It adds. I ain't talking about that fake stuff. <laughs> Salt adds flavor. Salt influences the taste of food. Ooh. It transforms something that was bland and tasteless into something that can be tasty and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Look at somebody and say, you ought to make things better, not worse. They ought not celebrate you leaving. They ought to, they ought to mourn your departure. Why? Because you add a little flavor there. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that party flavor, but I'm talking about a righteous flavor. I thank God for my mother, the grandmother of my children and others, because her presence adds something to our family. Salt adds that flavor. It transforms that which was not able to be digested and enjoyable to something that is. But, however, let me preach this. The key to salt is using the right amount. Can I say something? Please don't take this the wrong way. Some of you are too salty. <laughs> I hope y'all still want me to be your pastor after the day. Some of you are too salty for me. Everywhere you go, you got a scripture. You got a sermon. You turn everything into a sermon. Everything is a debate about theology. You can't even get together for a nice Thanksgiving dinner if y'all ain't talking about who ain't right, who's right, what church. Y'all got too many scriptures and you sprinkle too much 
let me preach to this side of the church. Too much salt will not only ruin your meal, but it will ruin your health. Some of you are too salty. It don't always have to be that serious. Every conversation doesn't have to end with a scripture. Everything doesn't have to be about church folk and preachers and what other churches are doing. You ought to have something else in your life other than scripture. Scriptures are good and they are necessary, but some of you turn off the very people you are trying to lead because you are too holier than thou and they don't want to be like you because guess what? I don't like too much salt on my food. Am I right about it? Now, the best cooks, I've been told that the best chefs and cooks are actually offended when you add insult because they pride themselves, Elder Sarah, in putting the right amount right there. After church this morning, 8 o'clock, I was talking about cooking and I ran into Mother Virginia Anderson, the daughter of Mother Josephine Anderson, and she and I hugged and she said, Dara, you didn't have to worry about Mama Joe." I said, Virginia, I can eat anything Mama Joe cooked and I never needed the short shaker because she knew how to put a little pinch right here and knew how to stop right here, but some of you are too heavy handed and your food look good, but it doesn't taste good. May I preach to somebody this morning? And so be an evangelist. But you don't have to crucify everybody. Share the gospel. But you don't have to beat everybody over the head with everything you know. Too much salt can ruin the meal and ruin your health. What is the key? The example that Mother Virginia Anderson gave me this morning was that Mama Joe knew how to cook with the right amount. And it's so good you don't even know it's there. Preach Pastor Jackson. Some of you ought to be so effective on your job, folk don't even know that you brought it to their attention. They ought to see the life you live. They ought to be able to taste your presence cooked into the meal. Amen, somebody. How you live make a difference. And so Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. And the final thing he says is this. If the salt has lost its ability to fulfill its purpose, then it has become worthless and to be thrown out and trampled under the feet. Last example, first century society. You know what they did with worthless salt? They took it and packed it on the roads. That's where trampled under the feet. Salt that has lost its flavor was used as part of the roadways and they packed it under the roads so that people walked on it. And here's what Jesus says, don't lose your original purpose that you become just a doormat for those that are walking where they ought to be tasting. Somebody ought to tell the Lord thank you. Now as you stand to your feet all over this place, here's the challenge for us this morning. Have you lost your purpose? Do you know what God has called you to be? Are you an influence or are you a detriment to those that are around you? Do you make it better or are you too heavy handed and you put too much on that they can't even enjoy it? 
Do you have such a relationship with God that God can call you the salt of the earth? God's got a purpose for your life. Everywhere you go, your profession, you've been called for such a time as this. Where you are, God has called you. If we are going to save the world, and listen, I, I'm impressed you're here this morning all in the balcony on this rainy Sunday morning. But it's not about how many come to church. It is about what we do after the church. Because listen, here's the analogy Deacon Diamond God gave me. What good is a salt on the shelf in Food Lion? Looks good, right, Joyce? And it's right there on the shelf. It's in a pretty box. But as long as it's in that box on the shelf in the grocery store, it cannot influence anybody's life. Look at somebody and say, it's time to come out of the salt shaker. Salt shaker. Come on, just shake it a little bit. Say, it's time to do what you've been called. Who am I talking to? Does anybody in here want to be used by God? Leave your seat and walk down the aisles and say, Lord, it's time for me to come out of the salt shaker. I want to come off the shelf. Some of you look good in the grocery store, but you can't influence anything by remaining on the shelf. I've done what God has asked me to do, Mother Jackson. I, God says, preach this message in this way because God has challenged all of us today to be the salt of the earth. Amen. Make a difference in your sorority. Make a difference in your fraternity. I'm not telling anybody you shouldn't be a part of it. As a matter of fact, some of them are very beneficial and helpful. Just you make a difference. Make a difference in your book club. Make a difference on your job. Make a difference on your softball team. <laughs> make a difference when you go hang out with your friends that you grew up with. Please don't ever stop doing that. Coach, keep playing basketball. Other young people, keep doing it. Just make a difference. When they see you, they'll say something is different about that young man. One of our great brothers here is a former basketball coach, and he's raising his daughter as a singer father. And I saw him the other day at an event, and my wife said, boy, he has that little girl every way he is. He's showing other men without opening his mouth. This is how you do it. Chip, that's what he's doing. I'm so proud of Tyshawn. I know I'm proud of all of you. But I was so impressed with this young man. My wife and I were talking. And you've got to understand this little girl. And the other day my wife showed me a beautiful post. He was showing, fixing the little girl's hair. I don't, he don't care what they call him. And, what other men say about him. He knew that he had to make a difference in somebody's life. And I felt like taking that post and sending it to thousands of others and says, here's how you be a real man. You don't run away from your family. You run to them. Amen. Who is God speaking to this morning? Chris, you made a difference, man. Your wife died when your daughter was what, three? Three years old. This brother standing behind me, his wife died. His daughter is a sophomore honor student in college. That's what salt looks like. <laughs> it's not that which jumping shouts and preach to people fall out and always promoting themselves to be on top of something but it's did you make a difference 
in somebody's life. I don't know about you, but my goal has been, Lord, at the end of the day, I want one of my favorite scriptures is in Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman. And my favorite verse in that proverb says, and her children will rise up and call her blessed. <laughs> and I know it talks about a virtuous woman, but I, I, I want to be a virtuous man. At the end of the day, when they stretch me out there, y'all don't need a five-page obituary for my funeral. I just want those two boys that I had the privilege of calling daddy. I want these three grandkids somehow to say he's blessed. Ooh, because then I know I've made a difference in somebody's life. Anybody ready to be the salt? Come on, quiet. Come on, Christy. Ooh, who's going to serve you every day and hold me accountable along the way? Who's going to love you and others too? We are. We are the salt of the earth. Who's gonna love you every day? May I pray for somebody else? I'm not sure who, but God, there's somebody still at your seat that God's challenging you. God, God says, I want to transform your mission. If you will leave your seat, come just stand in the alleyway, stand at the altar. God's gonna do something great in your life. Thank you, young lady. Others are Ooh, come on. Thank you, young man. It's coming we from the back. Worship God. Everybody yeah. say who's every day every and hold me hold accountable.
hold yeah, me yeah, accountable yeah. along the way. Yeah, yeah. Who's gonna love Just you? Lift those hands. Another shoe. And who's gonna teach them to be more like you, Lord? We are. There's another song that ties into this. We are. And the song said, Lord, I'm available to you. As salt, are you available? Well, my will I give to you. Yeah. I'll do what you say. Do use me, Lord, to show, to someone. show someone the way yeah. and enable me to save. Lift those hands, my storage. My storage. This gets personal now, okay? This is personal. My will, my will I give to you. I'll do, I'll do what you say to use me, Lord. To show, to show someone the way. And enable me, enable me to say. Lord, my story. those hands you are the salt of the earth look at someone and say you are the salt of the earth God has given you the task to preserve and prevent from decaying that which is around you God has given you the assignment to be an antiseptic, to heal, to disinfect. And then God has given you the task to influence, change the taste. Woo. If you don't like the way things are going, change it through you. Ooh. Don't run from it. <laughs> Perhaps your assignment is to run to it. Don't separate yourself so that you have no dealings with the world. But your mission is for them to change by noticing the change that's in you. The right amount of salt makes a difference. The wrong amount defeats your purpose. Ooh, I ask God to use you. Come on. You know. Come on. Listen. Everybody, close your eyes. This would take courage, but as you sit in this crowd, I know it's challenging. You're in the midst of over 2,000 people. It's challenging to take a stand. Say, here I am, Lord. But perhaps there is someone in here this morning and you want to fulfill your purpose. You can be the change your family needs. Let God change you first. You can be the change your job needs, your school needs. Young people, ooh, you don't have to be like everybody else. Ooh, you can live a life where others will want to emulate you. 
but you've got to make a stand and you've got to stand out so here's the challenge after this prayer if you if you want to be the change that others could see but it starts with you I'll wait on you at the altar we'll wait on you and God says I want to use you use me Lord Ooh, yeah. um, uh, to show some young person lift those hands and say Lord my storage I am, Eternal Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you for this series. We thank you for this message. We thank you, Lord, because we are declaring this day that we are making ourselves available. Somebody you're calling to be the salt, to leave the shelf, to come from behind the scene, and to be the influence that their family needs, their job needs, their school needs. Thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're doing right now. We declare it already done. We want to be as you see us, as you desire for us. Use us as a ministry. Lord, help us not to compare ourselves to anyone or anything. But let Bible Way be what you've called Bible Way to be. Use other ministries, Lord. Use all of those of the house of faith where we all come together. And as Acts chapter 17 says, we turn the world upside down. Yeah. It is already done. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, Let God use you. Come on, somebody this morning, accept this challenge. All right. If you're here today, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Just, just whoever come young man yeah look at this young man with his son lord anybody else who, you my storage come on somebody else is coming others are walking down the aisle wherever you are come on yeah yeah lift those hands and say yeah my storage listen maybe there's somebody else and I, I, I don't know who you are or what you're going through amen but I want you to just come right now yeah 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 yeah, yeah we got Ooh, come right now here's what God told me to tell somebody right now listen I want to get your attention for one minute Come on, young lady. God said it's time for somebody to become the salt. Look at somebody standing next to you and say, God's calling you to be what he's called you to be. Change the world. Change your community. Change your family. Ooh. Come on. Anyone else want to accept that challenge? Come on. Wherever you are, look at these here. Amen. If you're here and you want to do it, amen. Just step out. Yeah. That's right. If God's calling you, amen. Clap those hands, amen. Oh, my storage. Come on, let's celebrate these as we take them in the back to pray for them. And I am 
Come on, we ought to celebrate what God is doing. Take it up quiet. Come on, tell him my storage. One more time, everybody lift those hands and tell them my storage. My storage is empty and I As you stand, as we stand for the benediction, look at somebody and say, be the change. Don't look for the change, you be the change, amen. When they see you, they see transformation. When you go to work tomorrow, flavor is walking through the door. Amen. When you go home today, it's walking through the door. God's doing it. God's doing it. Meet us back here on Tuesday night. We will continue this and share what God has called us to be. Thank you so much for being here today. Lift those hands. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for this series of messages. God, I've fulfilled my assignment. You ask that I challenge all of us, including myself, to be the salt, to be that which preserves, that which heals, and that which adds flavor. As a result of our presence, our environment is different and better thank you lord now may your grace your peace and your mercy rest rule and abide with us now tomorrow and forevermore and everybody that loved the lord said amen tell somebody be the change be the salt you are the salt amen thank you